Welcome back to another episode of Wet and Dry, the kayaking podcast. Today with me, myself and I, reason is the boys already all left Brazil and Brent is still in the UK doing Park Jam. So today it's just going to be me talking about this trip we, we just did in Brazil. I had an amazing time here. I really fell in love with this country and I see so much potential for kayaking exploration and honestly just good kayaking in this country. Hence I wanted to talk about it a little bit. As we mentioned in the last episode, it was never really the plan to go to Brazil in October. Um, Kanda wanted to go to Pakistan, wanted to go to Colombia or Peru, but things just didn't really seem to work out. So it kind of randomly happened that uh, a friend of David called us and let us know what's up in Brazil and kind of everybody got fired up. We carried over that stoke and bought tickets a couple of days before we then actually flew out beginning of October. Um, we flew to Cuyaba, looking at the weather forecast. It looked ridiculously hot. Google search told us something about the hottest place on the planet, weather forecast saying 45, 46, 48 degrees Celsius. And I did not believe that at all. Um, also, it was the end of dry season by the time we came in. So we were like, yeah, it sounds all a bit weird. But by this point, let's just go and see what, what can we lose. And then... Yeah, we had a quick pit stop in Sao Paulo. Arriving there, heavy rains, uh, the rivers were all flooding. And we were honestly considering to just leave the plane here and, and go kayaking in, in the Sao Paulo area instead, rather than taking our inland connection and going over to Cuiaba. Cuiaba being the capital of Mato Grosso, kind of like central Brazil, I guess. Anyways, we ended up in our next connection in the plane and flew to Cuiaba and once we left the airport there, it was just ridiculous. Like, honestly, it was so hot. It was basically unbearable. It felt like I could just fry an egg on the car. And we were really, really asking ourselves what's going on right now. Like, it's the end of dry season. It's uber hot. Everything seems to be completely dry. I don't see any rivers. Did we just make like a big mistake and, and flew somewhere where there's zero kayaking? Like, what's going to happen? Um... But either way, we were there, we had our rental car, the kayaks arrived, which was really nice. Travels were surprisingly smooth. Looking at airlines and everything, it looked like it could be a nightmare to get boats down here. But for us, it worked beautiful. Our surfboards were accepted, no questions asked. And they also arrived in one piece in Brazil. So that was pretty sweet. And then, yeah, basically jumped in the car, drove like hour and a half, two hours to a small town called Jaciara. Jaciara. I believe is a bit of an outdoor hub in the region. There's lots of rafting, canyoning, some kayaking. And we met up with the local boys, John Sio, Little John and Yilton. Um, two of probably the best kayakers in Brazil right now. Young, super fired up on kayaking and basically just going out there as much as possible and running their kayak courses to fund their lifestyle. So we got pretty lucky with like a local connection. I feel like that's honestly always the best way and, and the ticket for a smooth trip is like link up with locals because as always, locals know best. That's just the case. And it really made our travels so much easier. There's obviously no Spanish in Brazil. It's all Portuguese. I do not speak any Portuguese, nor do the boys. So communication would be a little bit more tricky. And it's just the small things, you know, like going with locals is just is the way to go is the way to do it and yeah once again it proved itself that way 
it was amazing meeting up with the boys they were super fired up we came here they were telling us not really any international kayakers have been coming their way in the last 10 15 years and i mean there have been a few trips i remember barney and ari and jory and these guys coming here a few years ago but they were down south in santa catarina totally different region of brazil and then maybe a few more crews i just hadn't had on the radar but it wasn't like or it is not a kayaking destination people think about when they think about travels in winter or basically any time of the year um so we were here in jesiara run a few like laps on the home run pretty fun class four just cruisy white water very low volume of course incredibly hot but at least it was kayaking and then pretty quickly decided to go on like a road trip which the boys had mapped out for us um kind of going up north a little bit aiming to hit one of the most classic rivers the sucroina river and then like a few waterfalls in that region so the plan was made It was honestly pretty easy. You don't need anything here. It's so hot. Like there's no need for a dry suit or a dry jacket. Like you don't need much clothes. You don't need a sleeping bag. It's really, really simple. So cars were light, travels were easy. And we basically just started driving. It's usually long drives in Brazil. I definitely underestimated that fact. Like it's been four weeks And it's been more than 6,000 kilometers of driving <laughs> in order to go kayaking, which is pretty full on. I believe that's the most driving I've ever done in a month to go kayaking. And what I find pretty funny is, you know, in the States or in Europe, when you think about that much driving, you're like, okay, I need a van, I need a truck, I need something to like spend time in. Yet here we were in these like super small cars most of the time in our trust Ravi Fiat Uno like a working horse car, small yet somehow super reliable and strong and just drives everywhere. It was pretty beautiful. Did not have an AC, which was sometimes tricky, but as always, you get used to it. Um, but yeah, it got us there. We'll say the roads were pretty nice. I was surprised with that. Like 90% of our driving happened on nice tarmac and, you know, once in a while for sure there would be a dirt road, especially as soon as you get close to the river. But They're mostly in good shape because they're being used by big trucks for all the monocultures, the plantations, soy and cattle and wheat and that kind of stuff, which is growing around the rivers. So they're wide, they're big, pretty easy to travel around. Anyways, drove to the Sucruina, got to the Sucruina River and it's crazy. Like you get there and obviously everything is dry. It's the end of dry season. Everything is dry. And then there is this like crystal clear river with like a nice amount of water in it just flowing through the jungle through the cerrado cerrado is um like an in-between like basically where the amazon basin and the amazon jungle ends and changes over that's where the cerrado is it's like a dry jungle compared to a wet jungle which also makes life a lot easier i feel like there's less mosquitoes there's less insects it's way easier to maneuver around the jungle compared to wet jungles for comparison we did a trip to indonesia and that was just hideous moving around there super hard on the body on the mind you're just constantly wet and getting attacked by mosquitoes and sandflies so that was actually really nice out here in brazil having the dry jungle made life again pretty easy what's also pretty beautiful about the sucruina river is that you camp right at the takeout The takeout is a place the indigenous people um, still own. It's a very important place for their beliefs. They say some of their warriors were born there. And are st the, the, the takeout, it's not like a campground, but it's like a 
it's, it's operated by indigenous people. There's like a, a barbecue spot. You have a bathroom and a big field you can camp at. Um, and that's where you stay. So every day you wake up at the takeout, you drive up and you paddle back home, which is just completely beautiful, of course. Um, and that's what exactly what we did the next couple of days, paddling there. The pretty sweet thing about the Sukarina is the fact that it goes through the jungle and splits up into channels. So very often you have like two or three different options of what type of rapid you want to run. And it's it's cruisy whitewater. It's nice. It's just good drops, maybe most of them being in between like three meters and the tallest being like 10 meters. Super easy to lap, especially the big drop is very safe. Um, very, very safe waterfall where people can really try everything. We did a few laps just for fun, normal, and then immediately starting to throw some downriver freestyle, try some stuff. And it honestly didn't matter which way you landed. You were pretty much always fine. No caves, no undercuts, super deep everywhere. Surprisingly soft landing. So just honestly, just a playground. And then some more, a couple of fun booths, some wave trains, some slides. And eventually you find yourself back at the takeout. A lap takes like around a good hour if you just go. And if you, obviously if you film, it's, a, it's an all day. It's an all day mission, but great way to get the first few strokes in the country and kind of understanding what Brazil is all about. Word spread pretty quickly that we were out there and kayaking. So a few Brazilian kayakers came out to hang out with us, share a lap together, share dinner together. It was really nice seeing and meeting the culture of kayaking over here. I honestly haven't had that much contact with the Brazilian kayaking culture. I have a few friends, but not that many from around here. So I just didn't really know what was going on. And the entire kayaking community in Brazil is still very young, they tell me. It seems like the boys, uh, Jean Siu and Yilton, are doing a great job by getting more people into kayaking and it's growing quick. But it still is a very young sport, so... It's kind of cool to see that from the outside, how everything is evolving here and growing year after year and how people are just incredibly fired up about kayaking, which also goes hand in hand with saving the rivers because as everywhere in the world, also Brazil and especially Mato Grosso, many rivers are endangered from dams. Lots of them already have dams and uh, it's just sad to see. Talking to Pedro Olivia, probably one of the most legendary Brazilian kayakers yesterday, um, he was telling me how he thinks that the solar panel industry kind of saved the rivers out here because there were more than 2,200 dam projects in this area, which is just a mind-boggling number if you ask me. But as soon as the solar panels became cheaper and more efficient, that's basically everything Mato Grosso and Brazil focused on because these guys, they do have space. You drive around and it's just billions of kilometers of square kilometers um of space i mean that's full of monocultures uh, Mato grosso is the number one export in the world for soy so that tells you something um so they have the space to just put solar panels up and use the sun which is exactly what happened and luckily saved most of the rivers which are still out here um we could basically paddle everything i feel like one or two runs are gone by this point compared to five years ago but other than that most of it is still here which is huge speaking about the farming anyways it is quite crazy you spend so much time in the car just driving through fields or next to fields and you have to imagine not too long ago this was all dense jungle and dense forest where now it's just flattened and yeah it's monoculture it's it's farming 
And then as soon as you get to the river, you have like these protected areas where it's still like the original jungle and you totally forget about the fact that you're just right next to a farm basically. And I think never ever have I gone kayaking and one of the signs that a big waterfall is around is basically the fact that it's flat farmland next to it. <laughs> it was quite funny to see. And also interesting because most of the takeouts and puddings, you kind of have to go through a farm or basically you get in touch with the farmers. And these are the people which are responsible for the fact that the jungle is getting taken out so they can plant their monoculture. Yet, they were still all incredibly nice to us, offering us food, offering us a place to crash, offering us shuttle, offering us access. So I really can't speak bad about these people. Um, and that thought kind of just hit me yesterday because I just don't have experience with this topic out here. I'm not involved in this in Brazil. Um, we only received kindness from these people, yet they are kind of, you know, like working against a natural place and preserving things. Just something interesting for me to to observe. I don't really have an opinion on it, but it was it was a cool and interesting experience. So yeah, we drove around, started the Sukarina, a couple of days there. But of course, the main goal is and was big waterfalls of the country. So the first one was Urena Falls. That's something we all had our eyes on for many many years. I remember like a few epic shots from Jesse Coombs and Ben Ben Stuxbury running that thing back in the day talking about Ben, that's also kind of the vibe of the entire trip. Most places we went to, it was like always the same story. Yeah, this has been run once by Ben. Ben was here before 15 years ago. Oh yeah, I remember this American was here. His name was Ben. <laughs> it's incredible to see how many rivers and places that crew had opened up back in the day. And Big, big respect for that because it is epic. It is so much work and it's so many places to go check out. Yet it seems like a lot of it has already been checked out by the boys, which is sick. And it just shows you how much potential there really is and how much more there is. It's wild. I don't know if I've seen a place with that much potential where it actually seemed promising and was delivering in a ratio Brazil just did, honestly. Arriving at Juruena Falls, everything looked pretty sweet. Um, the weather window here works in a way that we arrived, as said, just at the end of the dry season. So rainy season is coming from day to day. It gets a bit more rainy, but not just like at random times throughout the day. It's usually always the same structure. It's like clear in the morning and then around midday, early afternoon, the clouds show up. And then by the time it hits 2, 3 p.m., Big rainstorms, big thunderstorms hit and then towards the evening, most evenings it would clear out again, which also means in order to have a safe descent and crush the media, you always have to go in the morning and, and do like early descents just to make sure the weather holds. When we got to Girona Falls, everything looked sweet. It took us a while to like cut the path through the jungle with the machete, set up safety and, you know, just cover all of our bases. And then basically everything was set. I had John Sue repel down to the pool to set safety for me. I was going to go first. And then basically as I'm walking up to my boat, we have this big thunder rolling in. The sky just turned black. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was really, really bad for media. We were sitting there kind of considering what to do. And I was like, oh God, I really want to go. But I understand this is not a good time right now. We're here to also crush media. It's obviously important what to do, what do we do, what do we do? 
And then, yeah, just big thunder hit, huge rain, big winds. So we had to rope John Sio back up and call it a day, go back to the farm, sleep, and then try the next morning again, which is exactly what we did. And I believe it was the right call. The next day we did have like quite a bit more water. So the drop looked even nicer, um, like a super clean, powerful, but good entrance to like a nice lip, just over 80 foot of free fall, super powerful bottom, but pretty safe. Um, so yeah, that's exactly what we did. Set up the safety system again, had John Seo down there. I put on, I ran the falls, pretty happy about my line. Everything went sweet. Um, nice to see that my stomach, which I was dealing with the injury the last couple months, held up, no worries. So that was beautiful. And then I was at the bottom setting safety for the other guys to follow. We had some wild lines, some good lines, everything in between. You will see in the edit, but spoiler, there might have been people who boofed that thing <laughs> and also had like a 45 second downtime underwater. Because again, it's a really, really powerful place and nothing you want to take lightly, but everybody all good and a pretty fun start to our trip. After Jurena, we went to another waterfall we kind of just found on Google Maps or as a tourist attraction called Urapuru. Beautiful 60-foot waterfall, totally different to Jurena. It's like a low-volume drop and park and hack. You, just, you put on the eddy above and you run that drop and that's it. Uh, you have maybe four or five strokes, but maybe less um, by the time you're at the lip and then you just kind of plug it and take the impact. Special thing about this waterfall is the location. Exactly opposite from the drop is another waterfall, maybe like 90 feet, kind of unrunnable, but still. So when you enter that waterfall and you're about to drop off, you, you, you take a look forward and you see another drop falling into the same pool. Super trippy and unique feature. I've never come across something like this. And I, me personally, I found that was a super cool thing. Um, but obviously the waterfall was our main goal. And it was, again, beautiful, fun, nothing too crazy, but just a good thing to do. Keep the free fall game going, run that thing, and then basically roll up in the pool full of tourists <laughs> who were spending their Sunday afternoon there. Uh, in general, it seems like in Brazil, people really enjoy waterfalls and churrascos, like meaning barbecues. So wherever you go, there's usually these small huts and uh, prepared like barbecue places where you can just grill your meat or whatever you would like to do. And it's been pretty funny seeing these interactions because most of the people there have never seen a kayak and are just quite baffled what's going on. And my missing uh, Portuguese doesn't necessarily help in that situation either. But all positive interactions, people were always stoked to have us there and see us there. And again, we're kind of thankful for us coming. That's something I heard a lot on this trip. It's like, thank you for coming and, and doing these things in my country, yada, yada. And I found that so interesting because, yeah, again, like it's a country full of potential. I'm stoked to be here, yet I don't know why I haven't been here before or more people go here to go kayaking. Actually, I was thinking about this a lot. Like, why have I not come here earlier? What What is that? Why is that? It kind of checks all the boxes for me. You know, good weather, easy lifestyle, great kayaking, huge potential for first descents and big waterfalls. Like, it's all there. But why didn't I come earlier? And I feel like... For me, I always had Brazil in my head as this like huge task because the country is so big. There's like so many different regions which get water from different reasons. You have the tropical, subtropical, you have totally season independent areas where it just rains or it doesn't. 
So it always felt like a big, big puzzle to solve just to go kayaking there, uh, which kind of maybe held me back. And I was like, okay, this needs to be planned properly. I need to spend like a couple months out here. Um, but then I kind of proved myself wrong by just showing up and kind of randomly going kayaking and it, it was sick. So I'm definitely fired up to come back again and just check out different spots of the country because no way you're going to be able to do everything or even close to it in one trip. It's just way too big. Actually, there's a pretty fun kind of like numbers games about the country. I quite enjoyed reading, for example, from west the western end to Brazil to the sea to the eastern end is equally as far as from Portugal to Moscow, just to kind of put it into perspective. The most northern end of Brazil is closer to Canada than it is to its southern point. So it's just a huge country. And obviously there's the Amazon, which is just incredibly big and a special place. I haven't even really seen on this trip yet, but I definitely want to also go there, kind of try to do some things over there. It's very, very remote and it definitely will ask for a lot more preparation than Mato Grosso, but it's right there. Um, so very interesting place. After the Urapuru, we basically did another couple of fun rivers around. Again, just like cruisy whitewater, everything more like the creek type. I really haven't come across any big water rivers here. For sure, it's the dry season. I'm aware of that. But most of it is, is creaking. So if that's your jam, Brazil is great. If you're looking for big water, maybe not ideal. At the same time, I remember Dave Silk, Luke Pomeroy, Leif. Um, these guys went to Brazil for a playboating exploration trip. And I believe they were up north. And they were on some huge rivers surfing big waves. Um, so... Yeah, just a different region and with some preparation, I'm sure you're going to find something just as well. Once we got back from our northern trip uh, to Jaciara, kind of what was our base for the last month now, um, we had our eyes on Fumasa, Cachoeira de Fumasa. Uh, is like the local waterfall and the local run. Honestly, not the most beautiful waterfall. It's like 70 feet with... A very narrow line down the middle, left and right, kind of goes on rocks halfway down. There's like a cave, there's a wall. And it just, especially at low flows, it does not look like something you're exactly fired up to run. But it just has a bit of a legendary status here in the community and the place. So it was, it was in that case, no question, we wanted to run that thing. Saying that, again, you need like a very specific flow for this waterfall to be good to go. Um... And that was definitely not the case when we were here. Everything was pretty low and there's a dam above it. So they're taking water out. Um, so we had to play a bit of a waiting game, talk to the guys at the dam. And <laughs> luckily enough, one of the workers was keen to just open up the gates for us. So we could like use the flow, the extra flow to run the falls. Went there the first days, just kind of scouted it, played around, found our exact flow we wanted with the gates. Then it was too late. So we had to postpone it another day. Next day, different shift. The other guy who was working then wasn't so keen to open up the dam for us. He was like, no, no, I can't do that. I'm sorry, I can't do that, yada, yada. But my colleague in the afternoon, maybe afternoon came. Colleague was keen, opened up the gates. But again, storm hit. Really bad for media and also for safety because it was quite late. It gets dark early here. Again, I had to postpone. By this point, honestly, everybody was pretty like anxious and just annoyed we just wanted to run this waterfall and had now spent two days just waiting around always like on the cusp of ready to go but then always having to call it off 
wasn't necessarily easy on the nerves, but I guess that's also part of the game. Third day comes around, huge storm at night. It's raining buckets outside. Um, we wake up super early, drive to the river at 6 a.m., put on maybe 6.30, and we see the river has way more water from the rain. It's like, okay, this might be the day. Today might be the day. And then we get to the waterfall, and it's at the perfect flow, even without the dam operator changing anything on the gates. So like, okay, this is our window. Let's go, and let's do it, and let's smash it. And because we all had scouted the drop, it was a pretty quick thing to do. I went first, happy with my line. Vega followed, good line. Sean Sewer followed, good line. Hilton went last, also a nice line. Kind of hit the broke his nose and hurt his hand, but not too bad. So after that, drove him quickly to the hospital, got him stitched up, all good. And then we were just stoked to finally, finally check that one off the list because it's been nerve-wracking three days. <laughs> It also was the last day of Vegas trip. He flew out like a couple hours afterwards. So basically we dropped him off at the bus station. He caught the bus and went straight back to Cuyaba, to the capital, to the airport, and then flew back home to Europe. I had still another week left here and we were thinking what to do, where to go. And then set our eyes on the Rio Claro. Rio Claro is not the one in Chile you might think of. And there is, I'm sure, thousands of Rio Claros in South America such as this one, it is 1,200 kilometers away from Giesara and it's like a nice, I don't know, it's not 60 feet, but 50 something feet waterfall with like an entrance rapid or like two actually, like two drops, like a set into it, which still were unrun, which obviously was very interesting for me. As soon as John Sue told me that he ran the falls four years ago and we thought it was a first descent, we were proven wrong afterwards. <laughs> As the classic story repeats itself and Ben Stooksbury was there in 2009, first seeing the waterfall. Anyways, we drove over there, kind of hoping for the right level window, got there. The river was pretty low, but according to Jean Sue, still good for the falls. And we put on and to get to the waterfall was honestly a bit of a drag. It was like a 15k flat water paddle with some manky rapids until eventually, finally, we got to the set of waterfalls and the entrance rapids. Everything looked good. We were fired up to first the, the entire section and then, or like the, the entire sequence and then drop the falls. Similar story here. Put on, get ready. Huge storm comes out, but obviously it was just a one day rip and we weren't going to repeat that flat water paddle the next day. So we just did it anyways. Lines were all good. Unfortunately, at the bottom, I hit pretty hard, denting my bow. I must have just hit a rock somewhere in the landing. And I guess that's exactly the difference from little John weighing 50 kilograms and me weighing 90 something kilograms. Um, I must have just gotten and went a bit deeper and hit that rock. Luckily, ankles and everything all good, but my boat was definitely in desperate need for some repair, which we could luckily do at one of their friend's house just close by, which is so beautiful. Like wherever you go in Brazil, there seems to be somebody john or yilton would know from kayaking who's happy to share their floor and just have give us a place to crash so we never really were in need to find a place to stay it was always right there and given for us after the claro kind of on our way back we also came through one of the most notorious waterfalls in brazil anaconda falls a super big waterfall it's like 105 103 feet tall with a fast entrance, high volume waterfall. I've it's seen two descents, first deed by Ben Stooksbury and then repeated by Rafa Ortiz. 
I believe that was in 2008 and 2009, maybe 2007 and 2009, somewhere around then. And I, I mean, I'm fully aware when these boys went, it was a totally different season. Um, everything else was, was different, but I still had this like dream somewhere in the back of my head that we would get there and everything would line up and I could also run in a condo falls on this trip. Um, which I was, yeah, very, very anxious about to see what that place would actually be like. And eventually we arrived, we got there, checked out the falls and honestly, the place is, is magical. It's so sick, such a special place and a raw display of power. Like you have a river, maybe 30, 40, 50 cumex, and it just like narrows up, becomes super fast and then like wave train into like a hundred foot waterfall which then emerges in a beautiful pool, huge pool, beautiful walls with the myth of a huge anaconda living there, hence the name Anaconda Falls. But scouting the falls, unfortunately, had to come to the decision that this was not the right time to do such a thing. Uh, reasons being many, that the flow just wasn't quite there. There wasn't. It was so close to being a line, but it just wasn't. My boat and my buddy were pretty beaten up after a month of kayaking around here. Our crew has been cut down to three people either way basically it just it just didn't line up but i was i was there and i was manifesting and i am manifesting like i'm going to run this waterfall in the near future because wow that place is is something special really breathtaking and cannot wait to come back and everything will line up and we're gonna see a sick descent on this thing and in general i'm very very much wondering what's going to happen with Brazil and kayaking in the next couple of years. I personally really wouldn't be surprised if it's going to see more crews coming, if it's going to lead to more exploration and it's just going to open up an entire new country for kayaking tourism. Because if you think about destinations to go in winter or honestly all throughout the year, not, not many people think of Brazil to my knowledge. And I think that's going to change and I also cannot wait to edit this video and drop that in the next month to just show people what it's like. Because for me, it was beautiful. Like the mix between the kayaking, the culture, the people, the food, the ease of life here. It honestly it just checks all the boxes for me. So I had a great time. I am actively advocating for people to come out here and go kayaking. And I cannot wait to see what's going to happen in the near future with Brazil and kayaking I'm definitely going to be back. Plans are already being made. When to come back, what to do. Um, I cannot wait. It's going to be sick. Yeah, that is my quick recap of this beautiful month kayaking in Mato Grosso, Brazil. I had a lot of fun. I am thankful for the people I met, for the places I got to see, and I cannot wait to come back. For now, thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions for this podcast or about kayaking, in Brazil, feel free to shoot me a message, happy to answer them. We are also reading all of the comments and messages on the Wet and Dry Instagram, making notes. I feel like there's a great amount of really cool input from you guys to create more episodes around your questions and keep that train rolling, hopefully answering your questions and filling everybody with knowledge. Thank you very much for listening. Appreciate that. And see you guys next time. Cheer, cheer.